Welcome to The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis. I am your host, Cicely Davis. Hoodies, gym shorts, track suits, maybe even Daisy Dukes. Senators, yes, elected officials in the prestigious U.S. Senate have a new standard for dress code. A casual overhaul, if you will. Once again, mediocre leadership, now deemed the woke sloppy mob, lowers yet another standard. Well, color me old-fashioned, but I don't want to see my elected officials, senators, on the Senate floor in hoodies, tanks, or baggy Under Armour shorts. And I'm going to tell you why, right now on The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. According to the Urban Dictionary, a savage person is defined and or described as a person who is fierce and ready to fight. They are not afraid of anyone. Well, if you don't mind me saying, that describes me, and I do so hope many of you, many of you listeners, and if it doesn't, as of yet, that your savage development as according to this definition grows and envelops you as we progress together. My name is Cicely. For those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome to The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis. Please like and subscribe and share and leave a positive review on YouTube and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please visit and visit often to the front page magazine, on frontpagemag.com. That's frontpagemag.com. And donate. Please support and donate to the Horowitz Freedom Center as the amazing organization continues tirelessly in its pursuit to fight, to fight for and save liberty and justice and freedom and the American way. The David Horowitz Freedom Center will be hosting their annual Restoration Weekend at the Ritz-Carlton in New Orleans, October 26th through the 29th, with confirmed speakers General Jack Keen. Can I say his name again? Okay. General Jack Keen. Yes. Um, Other guests will include Tulsi Gabbard and Guy Benson, Heather McDonald, Ned Ryan, and myself, and many, many more Many, many other guests will be um, in attendance that weekend. You can visit RestorationWeekend2023.org. That's RestorationWeekend2023.org. And now this year's weekend will include a special Thursday night reception at the World War II Museum in New Orleans. So to register once again, please go to Restoration Weekend 2023. Dot org. And I personally just love meeting new people. And I'm actually, you know, in the market of meeting new friends and making new friends. But um, so I just want to say that, yes, I will be in attendance. I'm really excited to meet some people who say, hey, I listen to the show. If you see me or if you hear me or you find out it's me, I'm just letting you know right now, please approach. I'm very, very approachable. I love meeting new people. I want to hear about you. I want to know your story. Um, I want to hear about your love for America. I want to hear about why you're in attendance. Um, I just want to learn about you. And I think that um, we need to resurrect that, that learning and meeting and connecting one to another. 
And truthfully, to be honest with you, another reason why I want you to approach and I want to get to know you and get to know me is because you really don't get a true sense of what someone really truly looks like when you see their picture, right? So I kind of want to, <laughs> because I'm not very photogenic, um, I actually just want to see and meet people um, face-to-face and shake hands. So I really do hope you can come October 26th through the 30th. And um, you know what's really exciting is that happens to be Halloween weekend. So that's going to be really exciting. I haven't quite decided if I'm going to dress up or not, but if you all leave in the comments that you're going to, maybe I'll join you. You know, it's fun. It's fun to dress up. Um, promises, though, however, to be a whole lot of fun. It's going to be very intriguing. I hope enlightening. I hope to come away having learned a lot more, falling more and deeper in love with America and really coming away with a more solidified, solid agenda as to what I'm going to do to ensure that America remains free and that Americans remain free, free from tyranny. Um, free from this Marxist communist agenda um, and just flat out just free from idiocy. So um, really hope that you attend. I hope to get to see you. So anyway, um, I will be participating in some of the programming um, throughout that weekend and I will be dressed appropriately throughout, unlike perhaps some of our senators. Is there no end? to the absurdity? Is there no end to the insanity, the pure ridiculousness of the woke and literally, literally everything they put their hands to? Take any issue, they're on the wrong side of it. Take any position, they try to wokeify it. Take any tradition and they try to destroy it. They do destroy it. Something as simple as a dress code of the Senate floor. They can't help but wreck it and stupefy it so as to accommodate one of their star woke doofuses. And we all know who that is, the main culprit in all this. Now, I don't know if you've heard about this headline or read up about it, but, you know, I just wanted to kind of chime in on this one and zero in this week about this. It just seemed to me when I read about it and did some research on it, that this was literally to create ease for the elected oaf out of Pennsylvania, John Fetterman. But let's back this train up just a little bit so I can give you some background on this. So so Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York bleh, has directed the Senate Sergeant at Arms to no longer enforce the dress code. Um, for its members. Now, the staff have to remain in professional attire, okay? But John Big O. Fetterman out of Pennsylvania, who tends to favor gym shorts and oversized hoodies over the business attire traditionally required at the chamber, he and others don't have to follow this. Okay. So if you're a Senator, this dress code has been peeled back and we're going to talk about why this actually matters. Now I'm going to quote Schumer here. Senators are able to choose what they wear on the Senate floor. I will continue to wear a suit. So even though he himself will maintain a respectable standard, at least by the way of attire, certainly not in policy, he's not strong enough of a leader to enforce that very same standard for all across the board a standard that has been, mind you, for 240 years. Now, 
Before Fetterman checked himself into the hospital for clinical depression in February of this year, he walked the halls of the Senate stone-faced and yet dressed in formal suits. So he did comply when he first attended to the dress code. He walked around in suits. He attended meetings in the suits, in the jacket and tie that is required. These days, he's back to wearing the hoodies and the gym shorts. He was known for as lieutenant governor governor and the Senate candidate in Pennsylvania. Now, male senators are expected to wear a jacket and tie on the Senate floor, but the six foot eight inch mentally challenged oaf has a workaround. Okay, he has a workaround. He votes from the doorway of the Democratic cloakroom or the side entrance, making sure his yay or nay is recorded before ducking back out. In between votes this week, however, Fetterman's hoodie stayed on for a news conference with four Democratic colleagues in suits. Now, let me let me back up a little bit and explain this, because like I said, on the Senate floor, jacket and tie is required. Okay, so what he did was he found this loophole where he's not very specifically on the Senate floor. He has one foot that remains in the cloakroom so that he's still able to get his vote off and vote from the back, but not officially be on the floor so as to not, quote unquote, truly break the dress code um, attire rules. Those close to Fetterman say his relaxed, comfortable style is a sign that the senator I literally grind my teeth when I call him that because he's so undeserving of the title and the position, okay? But they, those that are close to him says that his comfortable style is a sign that the senator has and continues to make a robust recovery after six weeks of inpatient treatment at the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center where his clinical depression was treated with medication and he was also fitted for hearing aids for his hearing loss that made it really hard for him to communicate. His hospitalization came less than a year after he had a stroke during his Senate campaign, as we all remember the fiasco of that whole train wreck. So on the Senate floor, jacket and tie is required. And in all meetings, jacket and tie are required, which apparently Fetterman actually complies to. So let's, let's, let me back up here and make this really clear. His preference obviously is the hoodies. They're the hoodies, of course, and the oversized kind of sloppy gym shorts. Okay. But when he attends the meetings, he wears a suit. When he's officially on the Senate floor, he wears the suit. So someone could point this out and say, well, what's the big deal? We're going to actually talk about that in a bit here. Not all Republicans have rejected the change. However, Josh Hawley of Missouri, after touchdown, most of the time when he comes in from touchdown from the airport on Mondays and they have to rush in to get some votes in to start the week, he's usually in jeans and boots, which is his usual attire, what he said his constituents have you know, been accustomed to seeing him in, he says he can now vote on Mondays because of this relaxed dress code policy. But let's talk a little bit about why this truly matters. Let's get into the thick of this here. So first of all, 
as I said, this has been a standard in existence for 240 years, right? I like the standard. Men in suits, women dressed professionally, right? They also wear suits or they're in professional attire. They're covered. Um, now, there has been some shakeup about women and the covered arms required. It's been said that one reporter was not allowed in chambers as she was wearing a sleeveless dress. Now, those sleeveless professional dresses, they're called a sheath dress, S-H-E-A-T-H. And personally, I know I own several sheath dresses. They are very, very professional. They are widely accepted in corporate America with or without the jacket. Okay, so that standard has kind of been let down. However, if the standard is written in the Senate that you must have your arms covered, then you should just simply comply, right? At least for when you're on the floor and you're voting and you're attending meetings, you can certainly slip out of it. Is this really that complicated? This isn't that hard. Why? Because it's not about me. I would comply because it's not about me and it's not about my fashion opinion. It's about the important policies, the important laws, and the important tasks at hand. It's about being dutiful and respectful. And it's about representing those who sent me to get a job done. You see, perhaps we've all forgotten because of social media and headlines and book deals and Saturday Night Live appearances and all these caveats and even some who appear on magazine covers etc., that those who serve in Washington are elected officials in positions of service. They are servant leaders. They are servant leaders. They are elected there. They're in positions of service. They are there because people believe them to be great stand-up people who could and would represent them well in D.C. and carry out and forward their interests. So you dress well to pay respect to those who sent you, who elected you. Now, women are allowed to show their arms, but still dress professionally. So, you know, this whole cover the arms for the women, if they're in a professional sheath dress, I guess that standard has been eradicated. I think if you are for the most part, really professional. Um, and that standard isn't, you know, kind of sidetracking from the task at hand. That's something I agree with. However, if that has not been let down and it says that women must wear blazers or have their arms covered, by all means, everyone should comply. But another take on this is about adulthood, right? It's about Wearing suits and dresses and professional, respectable attire, because that's what adults do. You dress as an adult. Our whole culture these days takes on the notion that teenage life, or even childhood for that matter, if you would, is some sort of pinnacle, and then everyone dresses down. Men look like overgrown 10-year-olds, and there's something very demeaning and juvenile about that. But to dress in a classic manner and look like adults is a position of standard and pride, what our founders understood and had in mind. Now, granted, hoodies, right, were not a fashion piece back in those days. It certainly was not a fashion piece of the time. 
but they still understood that the former wear was best suited for the undertaking and not their overalls or over everyday trousers. And even the women had a difference. They made a distinction between their regular everyday house dresses versus their formal dresses. Okay. So there's something very attractive about a well-dressed, a well-suited man or a well-dressed woman. This has been downplayed a great deal since the sixties. I mean, If you look at pictures and videos of the past, say prior to the 60s, people, men and women, were well-dressed. They wore suits and hats and dresses. They dressed up to go everywhere, not just to church or to something formal or to dinner, but to the airport. They dressed up to visit others, to go to conferences, to attend, you know, visit other people's homes. I mean, people actually took the time to dress up and put in effort in their appearance. And there was a very real distinction between children and adults. Now, don't get me wrong. I fully understand fashion, right? I get the difference. I understand that fashion dictates and fashion often changes. Fashion usually drifts down from the top. So formality becomes the norm and drifts down to the working class. And when that happens, usually the working class says, okay, well, we can't be associated with them, so we're going to have to flip it. So if the drip down from upper class to the working class goes casual, right? So if the middle class or the underclass goes casual, the upper class would then dress up and vice versa, which is why we see you know, we used to see Steve Jobs out in a T-shirt and jeans, right? Um, there's always that drip down. We, I, I understand that fully because that links us with them and the unfashionable, right? That's the mindset. But what I take most issue with is this reflection of rebellion, which is what I believe is the bigger, deeper, more important issue here. This rebellious attitude that anything that violates traditional norms or anything that represents patriarchal oppression and adulthood is to be eliminated in favor of what is hypothetically a more free individual, but it's not because everyone looks the same. And I am by no means saying that if you're not in a suit and tie every day, and if you're a woman and you're not dressed up in a, in a dress and a, and a blazer, that you're being disrespectful. Again, time and a place for everything. But there is something noble about outfitting yourself for the task at hand and making the attempt and putting forth the effort and putting your best self forward. Okay. Because when you start lowering the standard, you know what you get? You get America 2023. You know, we have lowered a standard. Now you see it's less formal right? It takes a lot more to get people to actually just dress up, right? It takes a lot to get people to actually want to attend something that's formal and they are looking for ways to dress down. They're looking for a way to, you know, wear maybe the leggings or the, do we have to dress up, you know, or what's the attire because they're nervous, right? And it's, it's just a deterioration. It's a deterioration and a teardown of traditional Um, traditional values, traditional policies. And that's what you see in America right now, right? Informal. So men don't court women any longer, right? And then that therefore affects 
family. You don't open doors. You don't pull out chairs. It then affects family, right? And it affects roles. You no longer have to go to church. You can sleep in on Sundays. We've made casual Fridays. You allow jeans at the workplace. So now once you interrupt that dress code, now we want it every day. You used to have a cell phone where you couldn't have it out. Now employers have to allow cell phones or they won't have employees. And slowly but surely, little by little, there's a deterioration of what is traditional and what makes America great. Now, if we continue this, it seems small, it seems trite, but if you go from sweatshirt to hoodies, and I said in the beginning, Daisy Dukes, it won't be long before you have that elected official who doesn't believe in the suits at all, right? And now all of a sudden we have senators and congressmen and women who sag or who wear Daisy Dukes. It's not funny. I mean, you think, you think right now that seems extreme, but think about where we are right now when it comes to pedophilia, right? Or how we've allowed children to make detrimental decisions for the rest of their lives and where we are with identification and where we are with how bathrooms have become um, a, a subject of contention and confusion. It's little by little. Think about the mask and what happened during COVID, right? Forcing people to wear a mask and forcing people to be afraid to speak up. So you just bow your head and comply because you don't want to cause confusion and you don't want to face any retribution. You don't want to have any conflict. You just go along. It's a slow trickling, trailing and training to get society, American society to comply, thereby becoming less free. The U.S. Constitution sets three qualifications for the U.S. Senate. Those three, just three, three, you need to be at least 30 years of age. You need to be a U.S. citizen for at least nine years. And you do need to be a residency in the state at the time of election to the Senate. Now, senators have a longer term of service. It's six years. So when we talk about those constitutional powers of proposing legislation, drafting or amending bills and filibustering, providing oversight of the federal budget and rejecting presidential appointees for agencies, we're talking about very significant, important and heavy duties that impact our country and it impacts the lives of Americans. And Dag Nabbit, it should be done in a suit and a very well-fitted dress respectfully for the women, not a Carhartt hoodie or sloppy oversized gym shorts. Can we please maintain some standards? Please like, share, subscribe, and leave a positive review. And remember everyone, be bold, be strong, be faithful and well-dressed, be true. Till next time, everyone, I'm Cicely Davis. The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis is a production of Front Page Magazine and the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Reproduction of this podcast without express written consent is prohibited.